Good morning. I want to welcome you to First Baptist Sandy Springs. We've decorated just for you today. As you can see, we were going to start Bible school in the morning. And we certainly thank those who helped to get all of this ready and all of this done, Kathy in particular, heading it up there. But we are here today to do one thing, and that is to worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. And this morning, as we go on into our service, we have a special guest that's going to be coming to sing for us, Joe Jameson and his wife, Naomi, sitting here on the front. And uh, he's been here several times before. He's uh, coming home. He's coming from Florida. He's coming home to Peachtree Corners for a couple of days, and then he's heading to Indiana for the rest of the summer. So... Um, we caught him passing through, and he's going to sing for us this morning. So I just want to make you aware of that. I will not reintroduce him again, but Joe and Naomi, welcome this morning. Thank you so much. May we stand as we sing together. Was greater, was greater, 
thank you. As a child, how many of you went to vacation Bible school? Just about all of you. Um, if you taught me, and some of you likely did as a child, I'd like to apologize now for my behavior. <laughs> it could be an interesting week. You pray for our week. Today I thought we would talk about children and see what we can learn from them. I want to begin with a few verses from Jesus in the Gospels. We begin in Mark chapter 10. The words will be on the screen behind me. One day some parents brought their children to Jesus so that he could touch and bless them. But the disciples scolded the parents for bothering Jesus. When Jesus saw what was happening, he was angry with his disciples. He said to them, let the children come to me. Don't stop them. For the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like these children. I tell you the truth, anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. Then he took the children in his arms and placed his hands on their heads and he blessed them. Luke tells us the same story, beginning at verse 15 of chapter 18. One day some parents brought their little children to Jesus so he could touch and bless them. But when the disciples saw this, they scolded the parents for bothering him. That Jesus called for the children and said to the disciples, let the children come to me. Don't stop them. For the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like these children. I tell you the truth, anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. One more occasion that stands out to me, Matthew tells us this in chapter 18. About the time the disciples came to Jesus and asked, who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Jesus called a little child to him and put the child among them. And he said to these grown men, I tell you the truth, unless you turn from your sins and become like little children, you'll never get into the kingdom of heaven. So anyone who becomes as humble as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Anyone who welcomes a little child like this on my behalf is welcoming me. That last verse there is for the workers tomorrow. You welcome these little children, you welcome Jesus. So that's good news, isn't it? But what's Jesus trying to tell us here through Matthew and Luke and Mark? Anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it? What can we learn from this? Before we go further, let's pray together. Lord, as we've read your word, we pray that your spirit that inspired the writers of this word will inspire us as we hear, that it would penetrate in our lives and we would make the adjustments we need to make to be more like you want us to be. Help us in these moments as we see what we can learn from your word, what we can learn from children. Help us to know that you are our father. In Jesus' name, amen. One of the places we need to start that we forget about as we grow older is children are dependent. Children place their lives completely in the hands of others. Their dependence is utter 
and complete. I had the pleasure of seeing my little granddaughter this week, six, year, six weeks old. She is dependent. There's not a lot she can do. There's very little she can do. Mommy and daddy have to do everything. Now, there's a couple of meddling grandmothers involved too, but mommy and daddy have to do everything. And she is well taken care of. Well taken care of. As adults, we forget that we're dependent on God. I think we forget that. A friend of mine reminded me the other day of some scripture about depending on God. And I love the illustration. It's one of my favorites. Remember when the children of Israel were backed up against the Red Sea and Pharaoh and his army were after them to conquer them? Remember that? We pick up the story in Exodus chapter 14. As Pharaoh drew near, the Israelites looked back and there were the Egyptians advancing on them. In great fear, the Israelites cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you've taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us bringing us out of Egypt? Is this not the very thing we told you in Egypt? Let us alone. Let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die into the wilderness. They had given up like that. The situation was dire. There was no explanation of how to get out of it. Times were tough. Things were bad. And these adults looked at all the contingency plans and none of them worked. And Moses says this in verse 13. Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and see the deliverance that the Lord will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you. And you only have to keep still. Can't you hear the adults now? Moses has lost his mind. Keep still. There's an army bearing down on us. That's the worst advice we've ever been given. Why did we follow this man? And they went back to you. We should have died in Egypt. We should have served them. We should have done this. And Moses tells them, the Lord will fight for you. You only have to keep still. You know, the older we get and the closer we become to God, the more we realize sometimes that's all we can do. Sometimes that's it. Because our plans just, they're human. They're not divine. And standing still and letting God fight for us is so counterintuitive. In our society, we talk about depending on ourselves. And here Moses says, don't. It was a great lesson to be learned about dependence. But they'd taught, been taught this lesson many times before. They'd send the, seen the ten plagues that got them out of Egypt. They'd seen those. And so far in their journey, they've also been led by a cloud in the daytime to lead them and keep them cool from the sun. And a fire at night, a pillar of fire at night to lead them and keep them warm. But like us, they forgot all that God had done. Short memories. So they complain. But I love what God does. You know what happens. Let's skip to verse 21 of Exodus 14. Moses stretched his hand out over the sea. 
The Lord drove the sea back by a strong east wind all night and turned the sea into dry land and the waters were divided. The Israelites went into the sea on dry ground, the waters forming a wall for them on their right and on their left. Now, at that moment, seeing what had just happened and walking in the middle of a corridor here in the Red Sea, they had to have childlike faith now, didn't they? They had to. You just don't do things like this. Self-sufficient, analytical, skeptical adults would have balked, I'm not going in there. But God's children walked. And it's funny because you and I have seen, I've seen adults scared to death of water. Jeannie's mother used to have a picture on her refrigerator of the little $5 pool you would get like this with that much water with a little child next to it with a life jacket on and the grandma saying, don't get out too far. (laughs) Some people just don't like water. I've seen adults refuse, I'm not making this up, I've seen adults refuse to get on escalators. Not elevators, escalators. It's like if it breaks, what do you do? You walk? But I've seen them not do that. We're dependent on God more than we realize. Every breath, every heartbeat, every sunrise, every sunset, every raindrop, every bite of food, we're dependent. And as Christians and as a church, we are so dependent. I love how Jesus put this in John 15, 5. I'm the vine, you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit because apart from him, we can do nothing. We are totally dependent. Along that line, children are trusting. And we should be trusting as well. Only as we grow do we learn to become skeptical of almost anyone and anything. But as children, we're trusting. A little girl was in bed one night preparing for lights out and prayers had been said and mom kissed her night night. The little girl asked the question that only children can think of at nighttime. Mommy, why did God make the nighttime? So mom mumbled through something uh, You know, it's easier to sleep in the dark, and God wants us to sleep, so that's why he made nighttime. Not satisfied with mom's answer, the little girl said, you know, I think I know why it gets dark at night. The little girl said, why? The mother said, why? The little girl said, that's when God puts the world in his pocket. It's a brilliant statement from a little person of faith. What a comforting thought that God puts the world in his pocket as we sleep. We're not called to be naive or simplistic. We're called to trust in him completely. We need to know that when we read God's word, it means what it says and it says what it means. And We need to trust God even when it doesn't make sense. You know these words from Proverbs. That's why it tries to get drilled in our heads. This is one you probably have learned. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. and all your ways acknowledge him and he'll direct your paths. But you have to trust. 
Our son Taylor turns 34 today. I remember 32 plus years ago in Louisville, Kentucky, handing him over to a doctor for tubes in his ears. Now, it's not a big major surgery. It's a little bitty thing unless it's your child and you're handing them over to somebody in a white coat to walk away with them. He did not understand. And I remember that feeling to this day. But he trusted us that we're going to take care of him. I remember moving with our kids from Mississippi to Indiana. They were 13 and 10. Moved them away from family and friends and grandparents. And I was really popular with the in-laws at that time. To a new home, a new school, a new church, a new adventure. They realized they didn't have a a choice, but they trusted mom and dad. We need to trust God like a child. Isaiah 26, 3 says, You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Perfect peace. Don't you want that? That comes through trust in your heavenly father. If you've been around children, you'll know this one. We should be more this way too. Children always remember a promise. Their little brains are steel traps when it comes to promises. They might have trouble remembering to clean their room. They might have trouble remembering the multiplication tables. But if you tell them when they're five years old, when you're 10 years old, we're going to Disney World on their 10th birthday, they will, here's my luggage, let's go. Five years they'll hold on to that. Or you tell them, if you get good grades, you'll get a puppy. They'll hold you to it. You can even say something in, you know, you're in a hurry, let's go. You know, next time we go to Target, we're going to get you a toy. <laughs> They'll get you. We as God's children need to remember his promises. All of us. One of my favorite verses in, in Proverbs chapter 30, verse 5, and it says this. Every word of God proves true. Every word of God proves true. He's a shield to all who come to him for protection. So I just came up with a few Bible promises that I have loved or friends have loved that are very common, very popular, and I wanted to look at a few. We need to remember the promises of God. Isaiah tells us this in chapter 41, verse 10. Don't fear, for I am with you. Don't be afraid, for I am your God. I'll strengthen you. I will help you. I'll uphold you with my victorious right hand. Some people love Isaiah 41.10. Romans 8.28, we know that all things work together for good for those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. A lot of people love that verse, but they love it in retrospect. They love it in hindsight. It's hard to tell somebody right in the middle of something. It's probably not the best idea to quote Romans 8.28 to somebody right in the middle of something. Let me explain why I'm saying this friend of ours in Mississippi, her husband uh, was dying and, and, and I ran into them on the main street and he was wearing a mask and not to get germs and they were having a tough time. And she looked at me, she said, brother David, if somebody quotes Romans eight twenty eight to me one more time, I'm going to punch their lights out. <laughs> I understood her hurt, but Romans eight twenty eight is still true. 
We have to be careful how we present that. Romans 8, 32. He who did not withhold his own son but gave him up for all of us, will he not with him also give us everything else? Philippians 4, 13 is quoted so often, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That might be one of your favorites. Philippians 4, 19, my God will fully satisfy every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. There are so many. Remember what God has promised. And if you're not in the habit of remembering that, it would be a good habit to cultivate. You can get on Google and order a Bible promise book and find some. And Good practice. Another thought that we need to hear as adults about children is they are content very often. They're content. Imagine for our next anniversary that I tell Jeannie, you know, I've got special plans. McDonald's, Happy Meals. We're going. Um, we're not. It's not a good plan. But you tell a five-year-old, we're headed to the McDonald's for Happy Meals, and then we might get some ice cream. It's party time. They are ready to go. At Christmas time, if you've noticed small children, the best gift for the little guys, bows, paper, and boxes. You ever notice that? They're thrilled with it. Give an adult bows and paper and boxes. It's not going to go over really well. At vacation Bible school growing up, I remember this. I don't know the last time I had Kool-Aid. Remember Kool-Aid? Do they make Kool-Aid anymore? We were thrilled if we would get Kool-Aid and saltine crackers. <laughs> David Beasley, that's what we got, isn't it? Or if, if the church had really sprung for it, we would get Kool-Aid and the generic cookies. Not the Oreos, but the generic cookies that were kind of like that. Hmm. But something happens to us through the years. And the contentness changes or disappears. 1 Timothy chapter 6, beginning at verse 6, tells us this. True godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. After all, we brought nothing with us when we came into this world. We can't take anything with us when we leave it. So if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. Do you know people that are never satisfied? It's unhealthy. It's not what God expects. I could go on and on, but let me end with this one. Children have blind faith. They believe what you tell them. And that's important. And that's important for God's children as well. I remember growing up, God created the world. They'd read me Genesis and I'd say, okay. Then they'd say, God flooded the world. A guy named Noah built an ark. I'd picture it in my mind. 
They talk about Moses splitting the Red Sea, and we read about that. They tell us a story about David killing a giant with a slingshot. Or a great fish swallowing Jonah, or Daniel surviving the lion's den, or best yet, Jesus rising from the dead after three days. And as a kid, the little steel trap would get it, okay. But some adults, when you try to tell them that, say, no, God didn't create the world. Or they say, you know, it, that story of Noah, that's a myth. They love the word myth. The Red Splee, if that happened, it was a natural experience from an earthquake and a fault line. And Goliath, I, I, I honestly have read this, that Goliath was tall because of an abnormality and it made him have a soft head. I believe that I should have faith and believe what God tells me. One example of that, and we're done. Matthew 14, beginning at verse 22. After some teaching time, after this, Jesus insisted his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. After sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray and Night fell while he was there alone. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land. A strong wind had risen. They were fighting heavy waves. About three in the morning, Jesus came walking to them on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid. He said, take courage. I am here. And then with the faith of a child, Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. I want to do that. That's childlike faith. Jesus said, come. So Peter went over the other side of the boat and walked on the water towards Jesus. I love Peter here with that childlike faith. Children have why not attitudes. Why not walk on water? We all need that kind of faith to help us get out of the boat. So are you stuck? Are you too grown up? Have you lost those tendencies of trusting and depending and believing what your father says? Let us all be children to inherit the kingdom of God. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the times when we believe. Thank you, Father, for the times when we realize that we are utterly dependent on you. Thank you, Father, when we realize that we should trust you with all of our heart. Help us to be children that trust our Heavenly Father even when it doesn't make sense. Father, help us to remember your promises found from Genesis through Revelation and let them become real to us. And Father, help us to be content with what we have and so many blessings. Father, give us that faith that will say that nothing is impossible because that's what your word has said. 
So help us to believe that way. Father, as we sing a, child, a song from our childhood in a minute, help us to recommit ourselves to you. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As a time of reflection, we're going to sing, Jesus Loves Me. The perfect way for us to end this day. As you do this, think about what this verse means to you. Anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter into it. Let's reflect as we stand and sing. This will be our closing prayer. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me, for the Bible tells me so.